So uh, welcome everybody. This evening we have Adele Green and uh, Adele is new to me. Um, she is in South Africa and she is a transformation specialist and an international author with a private practice uh, since 2007. She has twice published and will help you with change in your life. And um, one of the things that I see is that you are um, um, you work with uh, women. Do you also work with men? I'm not sure, but uh, you're all about empowering uh, women, which is you know really a great thing and uh, very interesting. Um, so Adele, would you like to uh, introduce yourself and and uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and um, maybe how you came about doing what you do? And um, I'm just going to mute my mic so that we can listen to you, Adele. The mic is all yours. Hi, Lynn, and, and hello to everybody listening. I started a journey in 2007. My life kind of turned upside down, and I just rebelled against being in the workplace. And I think after a very traumatic life and always asking the deeper question, I just didn't feel like I fit in in the way that I was expected to and taught to be doing my life and doing the stuff I thought I was supposed to do to be successful because I just hit a point where I realized, wow, <laughs> I'm, uh, the stuff isn't all working out the way that I thought it would. And everything turned upside down for me. And then I synchronistically got led into a process of becoming a coach. And I've always done stuff with women, whether it was buying personal goods for women, whether it was uh, in the fashion trade at that stage, I was in the fashion trade buying clothes for women. So it was just something I was comfortable with. And then when I became a coach um, in 2007, working with women and the way they were thinking was just what was easy for me. So it wasn't picking them because I thought they were uh, different or better. I was just more comfortable in that space. And through the years, I have worked as much with men as with women, often from the space of understanding the inner world of women. And um, so if I say that I empower women, it's merely just because it comes from a place of ease for me. And uh, since 2007, I started a coaching practice coming out of a corporate world. And I wanted to understand what was it about for me? Uh, and everything that I have done and spoken about has always been because I've made my life the big experiment. Uh, I even called my company at that stage Life Philosophy because I thought, well, if, it's, if I think it's going to be about this or I think it's going to be about that, very much in the headspace, then I want to experiment and test it if it is so. So I've done crazy things. Um, first, I was influenced by Bruce Lipton's book, which is The Biology of Belief. And I thought, well, if what believe is how your life is formed, then I want to test those beliefs. So <laughs> I ended up jumping out of airplanes to see, you know, if I can push it. It was all about wanting to feel alive for me initially. And it ended me up in places like Peru, going on amazing spiritual vision quests. I literally turned my life, you know, it's kind of like learning what it is not before you figure out what it is. Um, so I wanted to, to, to see 
what was it about for me so I, w I went to Peru I um, went to Hawaii after I was divorced and I really pushed the limits I, I ended up in the, the um, sea in Hawaii the Coast Guard was looking for me I'd been swimming in the ocean for about an hour and a half already and the guy I went there with uh, thought I was I drowned because he knew I couldn't swim I wasn't a good swimmer and um, they came looking for me and I had an epiphany while I was there I looked at the world almost as a place that was there I looked at um, the the way I thought about the world, I looked at humanity as something on a planet, almost as if I was part of everything else. I was suspended in time. And that was amazing for me. And then, um, surprisingly to me, uh, while I was... Okay, so just a little bit of perspective. I was swimming in the ocean for about an hour and a half. I've never scuba dived before or or um, snorkeled so I've never actually looked down into the water I almost drowned at the age of 12 and I had an incredible fear of water which is why I wanted to do this um, initially a friend asked me do you want to go and look for the dolphins so I went with him but it was early in the morning it was dark and there was nothing to see under the water so we 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 swam we we went to a little bay where the dolphins swim and I put my head under the water but it took me about half an hour so because we couldn't communicate properly he communicated with me um, with um, with sign language so the first time I eventually had the courage which was about half an hour after we were in the water putting my head under the water it was already pitch black and dark but I lifted up my head so relieved that I've actually managed to do it and I looked at him and he showed me a thumbs up meaning he's found the dolphins but I'm thinking wow well done you know I interpreted it as well done you've put your head under the water and in that moment I made a, a spontaneous decision to just keep swimming so this whole time I just swam in one direction eventually the Sun came up the Sun was on my left hand side and that's all I remember so just keep the Sun on the left hand side and I looked down but it was pitch black so for the next hour I was going through all these thoughts in my mind and um, that was my when I eventually realized I have to probably turn around I'm probably going to get dehydrated and I turn around I saw the island as a tiny little speck I was already so far out to see and all sorts of things happened to me out there and um, by the time that I eventually heard I thought I heard somebody said Adele but it was impossible you know there wasn't a soul out there uh, and I then I heard it again and I, I, I looked up. I was very confused because you know I'm thinking deeply in my head, and I, I listened again, and and I realized there was something behind me, and it was, I was sensing a shadow from something massive, and as I looked up, there was this guy standing right on the edge of the boat. It was the coast guard, but I didn't realize all of that just yet. And this guy said to me are you a doll and you can imagine what space I was in and I, I, I said, said to him well, who wants to know this guy turned around he looked at the people behind him and he said uh, 
I found her and I heard this clapping and I was thinking to myself, why can't I find me? So I said to him, I wish I could find me. And I was very sincere and in that moment he started laughing at me and then the penny dropped for me, you know, I found me, this is it, <laughs> there's nothing else. This is, and in that moment I just had this amazing epiphany. You know, this is it. There was nothing else. I, and I felt so part of everything. So sorry, it's a long way to introduce myself. But oh, no, that's a lovely story. I, that's a wonderful story uh, because that really says a lot about what kind of a person you are, um, that you would even accept that kind of an experience um, and not be in a, in a panic. Was it at any time that you didn't feel safe or did you feel completely safe the entire time. You know what, Lynn, that was the surprising part and I think that was the big realization out there. I felt so part of everything else. I mean, I couldn't even swim properly. I had, a, of course, a life jacket on. I never felt scared. When I listen to people who's out at sea and I listen to the incredible fears they're going through, I mean, I knew that I had to keep swimming. I couldn't just live in my mind. You know, I had to be very present in my body. It wasn't like I, I popped out because I've had those experiences before. Um, I never not felt safe. But it was one of those things I did when I was pushing boundary because I wanted to so badly feel alive. I spent most of my life out of my body and in my head. But for this, I had to be very present. Um, no fear. Um, almost transcended in space and time, but very present in my body. Absolutely no fear. Almost a, a space of being part of everything. I couldn't be scared of that. You know, I, I literally felt the consciousness. I've always felt connected to the whales, but I had experiences out there feeling part of the sea, feeling part of the earth in such an incredibly different way. I felt suspended in a safe space, if that makes sense to you. I wasn't scared that something was going to happen to me, not even for a minute. I knew there were other things out there. I could feel them, you know. I could feel the consciousness of the dolphins. I could feel the consciousness of um, the sharks. I even thought I saw a shark looking down, but I had no idea of the space and the distance um, of what I saw exactly. Um, but fear, no, nothing. It was, it was an altered space almost that I was in and that I was part of and that I could communicate with completely. So you said that you had had uh, experience where, where you kind of popped in or popped out before. Um, had this been something you had been practicing? Was this something you knew about or was this um, completely new and different to you? Did you meditate before this? Were you... Um, a, you know, did you do any kind of spiritual practice or was this just um, new and fresh to you for this that made you so easy to accept this experience? Because this is not a normal experience and it is probably something that would terrify most people, um, but it doesn't sound like you had any kind of adverse reaction to it and completely shifted to the point where you recognized that this was perfect or else you had been practicing and were looking for a shift 
Um, does that make any sense to you? And I'm going yes. to mute my mic and let you speak. <laughs> uh, so, so I realized I was supposed to be scared when I came back, you know, to the to the to the coast. Uh, well, to the um, to the beach, and I saw everybody's faces because they literally thought I had died. I was out at sea too long, um, and then it dawned on me I was supposed to be scared. Okay, so just pack that one away. Um, but okay, so I was deliberately in a space of I was I was going into the world, literally to the opposite end of the world of where I was, South Africa. I mean, if you had to put a a needle right through the um, a globe of the earth, you know, in South Africa, you'd pop out in Hawaii, literally, it was so as far away as I could get, looking for something but not knowing what as a seeker. It wasn't just, you know, me rebelling and running away. It was, it was me going to spend all my focus on whatever it is I'm supposed to be looking for because I knew something was missing for me. Um, I had, so this was in 2010 that this happened. From 2007 was when I started rebelling first and, and turned, turned my focus away from the corporate world and this world that I live in of how I thought it was supposed to be. By 2009, I had a dream. I started dreaming a lot. Uh, 2009 was probably the year I had the most dreams. I sometimes felt more alive in the dream space than I did in the physical world. And I started feeling like I was living two lives. So I was looking for what was that other space I was always experiencing. It wasn't until 2007 when I had, um, I went to see a lady who was a hypnotherapist and a psychologist um, who did a, a hypnotherapy process with me and I experienced myself very conscious but out of my body through an internal process that she did with me um, to deal with um, a deeper space inside of me of forgiving, forgiving my dad for what had happened to me as a child and while I did that experience with her I've often been aware that I popped out of my body but it was like that would just happen in a dream space or you know in another space. I never connected it with being conscious until I had this experience, this out of, out of body experience with this lady. And then from then, a lot of things I have physically tried to do and explored and went to look for answers for of what had actually happened to me during that experience. So um, read a lot. I meditated. I practiced. I I did all kinds of alternative things looking for that feeling. <laughs> of course, and when I had this experience in the sea, it had just taken it to yet another level. I mean, I had moments and glimpses, you know, jumping out of a plane, feeling that safe. It's almost like, it's almost like the edge of consciousness, like, and then looking back at this way I've interpreted the world. And now I was experiencing it because I very much felt like um, I had different perspectives. And the more I did these things, the more I started having different perspectives, um, perspectives than the people that I was actually with. So, uh, and, and, and other than that, you know, a big part of my life, I felt myself feeling different to 
it send, I sense other people were feeling I was asking different questions. Um, so I can't say that I was specifically looking for this. I didn't know what I was looking for. But when I experienced it and this person physically asked me, you know, um, are you Adele? It was like I was asking myself in that moment. Um, so, you know, are you Adele and who's Adele, you know? <laughs> because I wasn't experiencing myself as Adele. Um, I was experiencing myself as something so big. Um, but while I was awake, because it wasn't unfamiliar to me, but it was unfamiliar to me as a conscious person. I've had other, other different kind of experiences, many of them. Um, I've had a tree talking to me. I've had moments sitting at a robot just before a robot is a traffic, uh, sorry, in South Africa, I think we sometimes use different terminology than people in the US, etc. So there's a, there was a, a traffic light and from it turning from red to green, I was having a 20 minute conversation with myself and with the bigger consciousness. You know, so I've often had this being transported from time and space experiences more and more in my life. And this was another one, but this was a big one because that was the moment I almost stopped looking for something else and I realized it was here, it was in me, it was everywhere and I could easily access it if I wanted to. So that, that, that moment in time became an anchor for me and when I wanted to feel or oh, I experienced myself going through uh, places of being fearful or you know what's happening next or trying to find an interpretation that was different from the limiting one I had I would access that time and space and going back there easily reconnected me with this bigger consciousness and being part of everything which made me realize I'm not separate from everything you, you know to read it in somebody's um, words is different to actually experiencing it um, but I, 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 it probably came from actively looking, actively practicing, um, and I literally, um, because I still had to do things in my everyday world um, and fitting in in that world, I made so much more space, especially when I became rich. So I had the time to be with me as much as I had time to do the things I needed to do in my day-to-day -day work. So yes, I think it was a, became a practice for me, but it became, my, my practice initially was, so what can I unbelieve today <laughs> of all the stuff I thought I believed? You know, like how different can it be? Um, that was definitely something I was actively practicing every day. But may, maybe in a different kind of way, you know what I mean, than just meditate and do it like this. I wasn't following a specific recipe. I, I was looking for Every way, if I heard of another way, and I would try it. So, so this was after you'd had that experience. So, um, but bef be before you had the experiences, and uh, you know, I know that you probably uh, have had your whole life, which I know I, I have also um, had experiences my whole life. So, um, you know, I'm just. Uh, uh, I, I recognize what you're saying is pretty, pretty true, and so uh, I understand it. So, um, uh, so before that, you had been a business person. You had worked. Uh, what, what kind of, of uh, uh, um, um, job did you kinds of things 
were you um, doing before that? And then, um, because it sounds like after that, you went back into a kind of a business setting with the coaching. And um, so, you know, what was what was that transition like? Uh, yeah, I was a. I ended up in the uh, purchasing world. I was a national buyer for a very big, uh, fast-moving consumer good company, and then I had a sabbatical when I had. A, uh, I was married for the second time, and I had my kids, and. Um, and when I went back into the working world after that for about an 18 month stint, I, I went back into fashion buying for women, uh, which was for a very short period because I'd realized at that stage internally I've already changed so much. It was like I was becoming sensitive um, and things got to me. I couldn't make the decision I did. I, it was a very powerful position. I worked on a, on a national level. I had to make you know, numbers decisions, and it impacted, it shut down companies. It, in South Africa, it was in the textile trade at that stage, and I had um, moved a lot of the textile business to um, the east uh, in the decisions I was making. Uh, one day I was at a, at a company and um, they, with the cutters and trimmers, and we, we had a, a difference of opinion about the price they were charging me for a garment I wanted. So I said, okay, I'll come and show you. We looked at the way they were cutting the patterns where they could save money. And while I was there, I took a call from the person that I reported to. And that basically meant if you, if you cut a line in, the, in that business, you know, you literally shut down a factory. <laughs> and... Um, We'd made a decision and I knew it meant that these people I met in that day, it was during November, was probably not going to be able to feed their kids, you know, for like their Christmas meal. Um, I was going to take food out of their mouths and it touched me. It wasn't a decision I made behind a desk. And that day it got to me and I knew in that game that I was in, when you start becoming personal about your work, you're in trouble. I got in my motor vehicle, I could leave, I sat and I cried for a while and that's when I knew. That was the first time when I knew it was time to leave the industry I was in. I was becoming very, very soft and I didn't know whether it had to do with the fact that I was now mom or whether it had to, what it had to do with. And then in the next space of time, in the next two months, so just to give you perspective, that this was about three months before the, the experience I had out in the water. That was when the change, things started to change for me. Um, individually, I had events in my life that triggered me, made me made different decisions. Um, I then um, <clears throat> we went on, on on holiday to Mauritius, which is a little island off the African coast, um, probably the equivalent to Hawaii for Americans. And um, I went to the spa every day, and the one day. And I was very much a normal person in the everyday world with very little awareness of, uh, I wasn't spiritually focused specifically, but I've always been interested in religion and these things all my life. But while we, I was there at the spa, the one day, uh, while I went for a massage, the one guy, he apologized profusely afterwards because he did Reiki, but he said, my mind was so busy. He didn't have, you know, he just, he wanted to help me and I fell asleep so I couldn't ask my my, my permission but while I was 
sleep according to him, I was actually had an out-of-body experience. So this was in 2006. And I'd left my body and I felt so trapped in my little world. When I was little, the world was a big place for me. And there was so much I wanted to do. And now my world was, had become so small for me. I had my two kids, my husband, my work. And um, I was like, it didn't feel like I was ever going to do something special. And when I was little, I always thought, you know, there was something special I had to do. And I think I felt trapped in my own little space. I had two ADHD boys. It had become a lot for me. I felt overwhelmed by everything. And while I was lying there and just completely relaxing, I had left. I'd left my body. I went up. And um, the thing that pulled me back was my son called me. I heard his voice. And I realized I had to come back. So that was, oh, and while I was... Um, coming back to my body in the sky, I was speaking to me. I was looking at him and I was remembering because I got a message up there. I needed to change my life. I needed to, to change my focus. And So that was the second thing that happened to me in so the, the, the experience. The work experience happened in the November. This experience happened in the December. And then, then in the January, something else happened. And that's when I, I took a sabbatical from that corporate world and I never went back. Um, that was the first part of the transition for me. So the, in January, um, I had a call from a mom. My son was four and a half at that stage, my oldest son. Um, and he used to cry in the mornings when I dropped him off at the nursery school so I could go work. And uh, I got a call from a mom. I said, look, your son, I found him in the road outside the nursery school. And I was so alarmed and upset. And she said, this is the second time has anybody told you about it? Um, almost as if, you know, like a, one mom that says to another mom, like, you know, aren't you going to do something about it? And I thought, no, how can this be happening? And he was in a, in a great school. with There was great security at the gates and everything. But at the end of the day, he managed, he was so unhappy. And he knew he was crying in the mornings. But I thought, you know, it's just being a kid. Um, that he managed to get past the guard, past the teacher at the gate and ended up in the road. And there was a school across the road from them. It was a very busy road. So I was very upset. That was the third thing. And then I, I just, I knew this was it. And I mean, I resigned the next day and never, never to go back. And they still said to me, why are you leaving? Because I was doing well. I was, um, and I just said, I can't do this anymore. You know, I need to go and figure out what's going on with me first. There's something going on. And that's when I started actively searching and seeking and doing one thing after the next. Um, saw healers, did all sorts of things. And it wasn't until I saw that this, this, so this was in the January that I resigned. In the May was when I saw this lady. Um, and I had that first experience where I was not just out of my body, I was not in any things that I, I, I experienced before I saw things that I knew wasn't of the earth. And I wanted to find out what it was and I wouldn't stop until I knew. Um, but so, yeah, so then I set up a coaching practice and it was in that that I started changing my everyday things and the way I went about it. And I, I just I was more comfortable with women so I put out the, you know, that I'm working with women but it's always been 50-50 men and women for me. Um, because I realized that it's not about um, uh, the external, it was 
about the internal, it was about the inner journey and the spiritual focus and the emotional intelligence because I was always a mind person, intellectually understanding things and it was my emotions that was teaching me this more. It was the emotions that was actually driving me. Um, and I eventually figured out this is a soul language. You know, this is not about so everything in my whole journey has been about finding the words, my words first, helping other people to find their words and, and, and working with us. And what was it that was going on inside of us with it was, and, and the dreams. Uh, I think if there was any consistent thing through all this time for me, it's been the dreams that's been informing me. Um, my conversations in my dreams and how it related to my day-to-day -day stuff and how it all came together for me at the end and that, that, that one moment of all the different things I, I did that was the one moment that transcended me more than anything else and further than anything else but I could bring it back to the everyday stuff and talk about it and, and it made sense um, and then from there um, the next big thing that happened in my transition was I, I realized that I wanted something different from a relationship. And you know, it was so weird, uh, Lynn, because I, my, my mom used to see me as a kid. She said, you know, Adele, you'll never find a man. You're too difficult and complicated. And, and my, I, I married my school sweetheart first, and then he died of cancer. And then the second time I married this person I was with at the time with whom I had two children and we were happy by world standards. I lived in the right suburb. I, you know, I had everything a person could possibly want and more. Um, if I had a laundry list, I had ticked everything off it, you know, that I wanted to achieve in my life. But that wasn't enough because inside I just, I couldn't, I wasn't sold satisfied I don't know how else to put it and I eventually and then I had this dream that um, I needed to go to Peru of all places in the world so this was in 2009 um, and um, a week later I had a dream that I was gonna leave him and I thought no, no, this can't be. Why would I want to do that? You know, it's a stupid thing to do. Um, and it was bizarre. So at first I just try, really tried hard to ignore it. And um, uh, it was, I was 39 and um, I, I, I wasn't going to tell him. I wasn't going to tell anybody. This was just bizarre for me. So I, I, I just pretended it didn't happen and a week later I was lying in the bed um, with my husband and my one child on the one side and the other child on the other side of him and I looked and everybody was sleeping it was late on a Saturday night and I looked at my son he's beautiful he, he has blonde hair and blue eyes and I thought how could something so perfect not be right how 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 am I supposed to do this and in that moment, my son spoke to me. His eyes were closed. It was his voice, but it was something that spoke back to me. And I, I said, okay, if I'm supposed to do this, then, you know, how am I going to do this? Where do I even start? And I just left it. And a week later, an opportunity popped up. And I asked my... my um, my now ex-husband, you know, are you happy? 
are you really, really happy? And that was the first conversation and, and of course he said yes and everything and nothing came of it. Then a week later he asked me the same question. And then I started going into this conversation with him and, and I, I, I didn't realize what was really happening with me inside was I was being asked to answer to higher values within myself. It was everything that I was taught was kind of going to another level. And I didn't know how to make sense of this. So eventually, I did go to Peru that year for my 40th birthday instead of having a big party and that. And I said to him, look, if I come back from Peru, I'll know for sure. And it was actively going on a, let's call it a vision quest. Uh, and I went and I did a workshop with Greg Braden, who some listeners might be familiar with. And um, I... I, the day I arrived, he literally walked up to me and said to me, so why are you here? And I said, uh, well, I, I don't know. So I'm trying to figure out if I'm supposed to have a divorce or not. <laughs> it was such a bizarre conversation. He said to me, he said, look, every time we're going to go to a lot of special places, he said, and, and if you have time alone, you know, ask the question, what will complete you? So that was when it really started for me. You know, the, um, and I was always trying to figure out, so, what is it that's going to make me feel whole? And working with that feeling space. And um, by the time I come back from Peru, nothing spectacular such has happened to me other than me focusing on me and I was with incredible people there and experiencing the world through other people who were also more like me than the people in my everyday life. And I could have conversations with them instead of just having all of this in my head. And um, by the time I'd gone back, I had realized that I'm seeking something but in a physical person that was more about being more whole and being more me. I'm probably looking for God in a man and that wasn't going to happen. You know, you can't expect people to live up to those expectations. Eventually I did get a divorce but it didn't come from a place of I'm, I'm not happy. It came from a place of I wanted to dedicate my life to being whole and focused on that and my now ex-husband is not and we agreed, you know, so we agreed to, to go our separate focus ways um, and uh, in 2010 when I was in Hawaii it was, the divorce was final and I had gone to, to America to just go and focus and be in my space. I actually originally thought I was going to go to the Sedona Desert, you know, and just go be there by myself, literally for like 40 days in the desert kind of thing. But I ended up in Hawaii and it just it literally started living my life intuitively, being focused, following the guy, following the signs. You know, it's different, I suppose, for everybody. For, for me, there was no voice in my head. There was just the dreams, living in a space of knowing and from feeling and opening my heart and just experiencing the world as a safe place and not, not having a plan in my head and just living like that. Uh, at that stage, I think all sorts of interesting things happened to me. Like in Facebook, my profile just went from I think, to like 5,000 people overnight and somebody said to me, open a fan page. I don't know what that was. I'm not very techno tech uh, technologically orientated. And I, had, it, I was just posting things that I was experiencing internally and people were just, everybody was just 
um, uh, wanting more and wanting to, you know, I, I've always been a person inside of me rather than a person outside of me. It's always been like me and the way I world as two separate things and, and more they were merging and becoming one for me. So that was a big transition, but that whole period was a transition for me. Don't <laughs> That was a real long answer, but very interesting. And so, how? So, your children were they young? Did you did you um, uh, leave to go on a trip when your children were young, or you know, you know, did they understand what was going on with mom? Or, uh, I'm sure that this must have been. I I, I know my children. They know me. So, uh, of course, they're grown now. But but you know, if I whatever, you know, was going to do something like that, they'd probably go, yeah, that's mom. But um, <laughs> I don't know. How did, how did your kids uh, take that? And how did your, your husband take it? Um, it must have been a real shock, right? Well, Lynn, to be completely honest with you, I was very scared that the people in my everyday world was going to lock me up in Torah. Torah is a mental institution we have in Johannesburg. I was scared to be very open about what I was feeling inside secretly. Uh, I thought I was nuts. People would think I was nuts. Um, it made absolutely no sense in the world I was living in to do the stuff I was doing. Uh, for starters, just to give you a, a, an example, um, okay, so David was going to um, his second year of school. Uh, with the kids start school year when they turn seven and they that year. Uh, James was, when it originally started getting the messages uh, of what I needed to do my, in 2009, um, I said, you know, to Spirit, look, please, 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 can I have one year? I just want my child and to recording, be and also settled the in school. And then literally nothing happened. All the pressure internally for me calmed down. Um, until almost exactly a year later when I woke up and I knew, okay, now I have to get the divorce. It wasn't like a, just a quick thing like that. It, I took, there was a, a lot of things that happened in that time in everyday world. Um, but, but after Peru, when I came back, um, I, uh, a few things happened to me. One of the strange things that happened to me, which wasn't normal for me, was um, the day we arrived to leave at Lima to uh, and for me to go all the, to all the flights that I had to, to go through to go via New York and come back to South Africa, um, as I walked into that airport, I felt I was walking into a glass. All of a sudden, there was like, okay, so I walked through something, and the next minute, I was overwhelmed by feelings. I I heard everybody talking at the same time, and I felt so much fear. And I, I, it, I started crying. I don't know what was going on with me. And this one gentleman that I became very friendly with, uh, a German guy in, on the trip, um, became concerned about me. And I walked back out of the airport and it stopped. He said to me, what on earth is going on? I said, I don't know. I said, I, I'm just feeling everything and I'm hearing everything. I didn't know that I was tapping into people's feelings and people's uh, thoughts. I, I, I didn't know there was a thing called an empath, you know, and you can actually experience people like that. It was like my sensitivity just was switched on or something. Um, 
I had no idea what was going on with me because I've never experienced the world like that. So that was very overwhelming. So by the time I came back to South Africa, I couldn't be in my normal day stuff anymore. I, for about eight months, literally lived next to my computer in a tiny little room. I was scared to go out. As I was scared to go out, I was overwhelmed by, by what people were feeling and thinking. I didn't know how to switch it off. So it took me a while to adjust. Um, and in that time, my kids, when they came to me, they, they knew that if they were gentle, it was fine. And if they were, because they, they're very busy ADHD little kitties, and um, if they were going too crazy, then I would go into my quiet space. So the one word they became familiar with was, be silent, please. You know, I just calm down. And um, yeah, I think I became strange for them in the way that they knew me, like literally overnight. I went to Peru one person, I came back another person. Of course, the other thing is when I went to Peru, I went for months. So they, that was my first big break from them and they were tiny little tots. And it was, especially the baby one, it was a big shock. And I mean, I had technology, but the time difference was massive. So I couldn't always speak to them in the time that was ideal for them. And I, I became very familiar with Skype at that time because I was... Uh, when people were sleeping, I spent a lot of time in LA, um, it was a nine hour time difference. So, you know, everybody else would be sleeping and I would be sitting on the computer waiting literally for my little gap to speak to my kids every day. Uh, and um, that, so that, that was a big shock for them. Then by the time I had got my ex-husband to agree to a divorce, he said to me literally like, you know, if you're going to go cuckoo on me, that's fine. And you can divorce me if you want to. And he often let me do whatever I wanted to do and then give me my space and then, you know, life would go back to normal after that. So I think he was thinking, and now I know he was thinking, you know, I'll divorce her and she'll come back <laughs> afterwards when she's come to her senses. She's probably just going through a midlife thing. Um, and he said to me, you can go, but you cannot have the kids. So when I was leaving for America, I didn't even know if I was going to come back or what I was going to do. I had no expectations of myself. I had let everything go. I had turned my life on a world as I knew it to embrace whatever I thought I was supposed to do and I didn't know what that was. I was just completely surrendering to something else. Um, so it was a big adjustment for my little kids. But my, my ex-husband is an amazing person. He's always been exceptionally involved in the kids. He always wanted kids. Um, and we had this strange agreement. So I was going to go do my thing, and then I came back, and then we would, you know, we have joint custody, and we have a very unorthodox way of how we handle the kids and who's got them when and how we do this whole thing. But he's always been the rock and the pillar, and I was the creative one. And under those terms, we agreed, you know, he agreed to the divorce so that I could be free. And, and I thought that he, we you know, one of, for a long period afterwards, he, he you know, he proposed to come back and, and all of that. And by then I had already shifted my understanding so much that I knew that I couldn't incorporate it in the life that I had and how I was with him and all sorts of things that already happened to me. Um, at that stage, so yeah, it was a massive, a massive adjustment for my children. But you know, the funny thing is, Lynn, um, <laughs> our kids are not so different to us. My kids understand me, 
um, and whether they they didn't mentally understand what was going on, but at another level they completely did. I had a lot of moments in those, especially those eight months, when I would connect with my kids and I'd be having a thought and a conversation in my mind with spirit about something, and my uh, my one child, like the one that spoke to me at the time, when I wasn't sure, you know, what on earth was going on, and challenged me about the thing that I had to leave my husband. The other the other kid one day just he looked at me. He said, "Oh, mommy, you know, you just have to follow your heart." And they say stuff like that to me all the time. I mean, there was no separation at that between me. Um, with my awareness and what was happening physically in my life. There was looking up and the answer would be on a billboard. And my life became so bizarre. I, I called myself a, an urban, um, an urban um, shaman, um, you know, or, a, or a, a Buddha in a bikini and, and funny words like that because that's how I felt. Um, my understanding of the world just it was it never went back to the tiny little world that I live in. My world became so expanded, my understanding of things changed. But I didn't have a way of living that experience until I created it for myself so that it was acceptable for me to actually say those things out loud. It's literally sometimes like, you know, and I had this recurring dream, I also have to tell you about that all the time, a dream that um I was receiving this gift. And every time in the dream, I'd go a little bit further about receiving the gift and opening the gift over many years. Uh, and when I eventually published my book, the dream stopped. You know, but I was always afraid to open this gift. And my life kind of felt like that. It's like, you know, just say it, just, just be it, just do it. And as I was embracing those things more and more, more things were happening to me. Amazing things were happening to me. And what I, in my mind, thought, you know, I can't do that, I can't say that, the opportunities were given to me, the podiums were given to me, the, the, I mean, I literally wrote my book in a week, it wasn't me, Lynn, it just came from somewhere, uh, I thought I was answering a question that actually my ex was answering me, like, why did you leave me, that was the book, you know, explaining to him, um, what it is, how I was trying to live my life, how I was trying to be, how I was dealing with the confusing feelings inside of me and how I, as I did my coaching work, understood many women going through the same things. So that's what was so easy for me to relate to them and how this was a whole experience in a relationship and how relationship was actually a gift for us to know ourselves better. So I was finding my words and in the process then spirit literally guided me because I've written things for a long time because writing is my way of talking to myself and, and because I was afraid to say it out loud and then the guidance to publish the book. And I'm like, no, people are not going to get this, you know. But then, of course, <laughs> I published the book anyway because I learned to listen to the voice and every time I listened, I'd get more guidance to do something. So, so this is really very interesting. Um, so you, you're talking about your book. Um, just a little bit, can you talk about what is it specifically that you teach? I, I'm hearing a lot of really uh, wonderful um, general things, but what is it specifically that you teach and what is it that, what is, give me kind of a synopsis of your book. Um, how does that sound? Okay, so on a, let's just say maybe on an intellectual level, I realized that I have an inner world and then of course there's the external way that we, all of us 
experience the world, and I mean it's different for everybody, but for a lot of people, um, there's a relationship and there's a man and a woman. And I realized that for a relationship to work, a co to, for it to be conscious, you know, and to work in that way, where we answer to our higher, higher values, we've got to learn a few things like, for example, all of us, all couples, I mean, gay couples, whether you want to be in a, in a relationship, whether you want to do your own thing as a, as a spiritually focused person, you, you, for a conscious relationship to work, there has to be a masculine and a feminine energy. And there's almost like levels we go through, like, for example, first, you, you go into a relationship because you, you're supposed to get married, right? So you have certain roles that you play, and he has certain roles that he play, plays, and then um, between the two of you, um, you know, you can develop a codependency on each other based on roles. You're supposed to do that. I expect you to do this. I expect myself to do that kind of thing. And that's where it kind of starts for us. And, and even in, in, in uh, you know, I was a very much a church person. Um, even in that space, um, you know, you, that then you do the right thing. But then I realized the next level, and this is what I was going through in my transition, is as a, as a person needing to become a whole person. Often physically uh, out picture for a lot of, let's just for the sake of calling it women, because I'm a woman, that's my experience, as I'm becoming an independent person. You know, I wanted in my case, maybe it was severe because I've been through being widowed and then being married again. So I had very different ideas about how to be in a relationship now. And I didn't want to be codependent again. And I didn't want this and I didn't want that. And I, I wanted to be an, a self-actualized person in my own right. That experience is really when we turn inwards and we say, but, you know, I want to be whole. I want to do those things also for myself that, I expected a partner to do. So, and I, I lived in a space of being appreciative, especially after my first partner died, of all these things that he automatically did for me. I became appreciative of those things. But it wasn't necessarily male roles. It was, it was maybe just in a person, the masculine um, being very dominant. We, and I, I realized we all have inner masculine. We all have an inner feminine. And that process is actually us becoming whole within ourselves, you know, within yourself. So physically, it looked like a man and a woman. But internally, it's actually about the masculine and the feminine. So the book introduces a lot of those concepts to people. And then also when you physically experience something that you're blaming your partner for, my gosh, it's actually a mirror for you to dig into yourself and, and heal those things, which, because these are things you don't have permission to do, so you blame your partner for it because you can't see that you also do it. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a whole journey of you can use self-reflection in a relationship space to become the whole person. You know, that's a big part of the message of the book and the pur true purpose behind relationships of accelerated growth for all of us. And uh, then I realized there's another level that we, you can experience relationships in as a whole being. And this is actually what I'm talking to, but it's so foreign for a lot of people um, to go there when they especially go wanting to be separate from their partners or going through divorce or having had a divorce. But I use that space as a space of looking at yourself differently and able to grow, becoming whole, becoming um, a truer version of yourself, you know, um, 
by taking the outside experience and taking it internally. Um, so the book takes a person on a journey, a personal uh, development journey. Through that process, um, it, it gives um, words for emotions because the one thing that people feel when they read this book is the emotions. It's not a book with words. It's not an intellectual book. Um, it's, it, it does have an eclectic approach. I, I, I do come at them with the psychology and I do come at them with the philosophy and, and a lot of the different approaches because for some people it's the frame that they have because I want them to have something to relate to. But it's really, it was a big, when I wrote that book, the stuff just poured out of me and I found words for things I was feeling but I never know how to say it. And, and that's what it does. So when people read the book, they come back and they say to me, now I understand it. You know, now I get it. And then, the, I mean, people throw the book out the window when they read it. It's, it takes you deep into yourself, into things that you, you don't want to face, you, you don't want to know. Um, and it makes you ask questions. So every chapter kind of ends with questions people can ask for themselves, ask themselves and answer. And it'll take them a little bit deeper. But it's also written on many levels. So it doesn't matter where they are, it'll meet them somewhere. Uh, to take to an, uh, the next level for them. You know, so if you have only a certain level of understanding, it takes you to a certain place. If you have another level of understanding, it takes you to another place. Um, and it's written in different parts. So initially, it just approaches the concepts of the foundations or let's call it the, the values you need to hold uh, and the beliefs you need to have in terms of what would make up a conscious relationship. So what are some of those concepts? The second part of the book it takes you into the process of the relationship more, you know, like this, the stuff I talked about in terms of the feminine and the masculine and working with those energies within yourself as opposed to being a man and a woman so that you can have this deeper understanding. So if I maybe just say this, I wrote the perspective, the angle that I, that I wrote for the relationships comes from this transcendent space. And it makes it as a hard reading for some people who don't have this perspective. But that was the perspective that was held through the whole process. And then um, the third part of the book talks, talks specifically to this transition space, what you're actually going through, the, these different levels um, that you can, you can have within yourself, the different spaces and times and events and triggers in your life that can take you into this deep place of actually becoming whole within yourself um, and what, what can happen physically in your world. Uh, and a lot of it is my story and my thoughts and what I was going through at certain times to demonstrate what I'm talking about for people. And then the last bit of the book is actually sometimes for most people, the most practical, the one they enjoy the most because it takes it practically into their world. So uh, one of the things that happened to me in Hawaii while I was at a Queen's Bath and I... I um, uh, wanted to be in a space of actually saying goodbye to my relationship. I had a experience with dragon's lies, um, and I, I, I just, for the sake of giving it a word, call it a dragonfly transformation. And I explain why, because it's how it was explained to me, at least how I understood it. I had the little dragonfly flying up to me and hovering in front of my face for probably the better part of two, three minutes, and 
it was with a little partner that was connected to it. And there was a third one bugging them the whole time. And this whole little story played out for me. And I sat down to write about it. And as I was sitting down and writing about it, um, I, I so much insight came to me. Like, you know, there's a little anatomy to the dragonfly. It has three different segments. And it has four little wings. And the three segments is the three stages we go through. You know, and, and, and the, the, the first stage is just living your world the way you're supposed to live it with very little awareness of the internal world. The second stage is when we go through this major trans, trans, transformation space if that's our path. And the, the third stage, when you come out on the other side, let's call it outside of the dark night of the soul, your internal experience, and I've told a little bit about mine. When you come out on the other side, there's this different way in which you express yourself in the world. And it has four little wings on that side of the segment. And the one, one, one way is understanding self-nurturing and understanding this connection that you have um, and how you take care of yourself now you know, how you be differently in the world. Another little wing was uh, this, um, specifically the space around the book area where I, that, you know, I spent teaching people how relationship, not just relationship, but relationships are mirrors for us. How we can experience relationships in a way where we can grow more and we can learn more and we can be more connected to everything in the universe. Um, and then... Another little wing would be how we lead. And I use the word feminine leadership, but feminine leadership is being guided from inside, you know, and, and lead in a different way. Not, not this male, masculine dominated leadership with a sort of woman kind of thing, you know, which I know is a lot of the women empowerment stuff. That's not all what I'm about. It's about how to completely come from what's inside of you and, 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 be that person in life, leading by example and doing all these things. You know, for me, a big part of it was, was understanding and incorporating and integrating into my life the sensitivity that I am being true to me, that authentic, authentic space, but be that person in the world. And then the fourth little wing of the dragonfly is um, intimacy. And not intimacy in the sense of, um, you know, being intimate with your partner specifically, absolutely, yes, that too. But, but living the, the world fully, being alive, uh, being present in your body, um, experiencing things, you know, like taking the moment to smell the flower and noticing the sunrise and, and living your life as a sensual being with all your senses and there's so much joy in that you know and, and the one way I think always of explaining intimacy to people is is if if you didn't have to use words to talk to people if you literally transported your thoughts that means there's nobody editing it there's nobody standing in between you and there's no image you're projecting you know by saying two things if you're thinking ten you are just you you're just vulnerable you're just naked that's it. That's that is that that intimacy. But that's a whole different way of being in the world and expressing yourself as a fully realized person or fully connected person um, than the way we taught to do it. The things we taught to be to be successful, which is you know how that's how I grew up. This is what I thought I was supposed to do to be successful. When I did all that, is like you know. So where's all that? Where's the inner feeling that I thought I was going to have? Where's the magic, you know? So that for me, that little dragonfly thing, so I got all that and I 
explain that. And and, and then another thing that, that I was um, understood is that not everybody gets to have this kind of transformation in this life, but we could all easily do it. But but this is this is you know the dragonfly represents in some uh, symbolism the uh, messenger between God, uh, you know the flying to the gods and flying back with the messages from the gods kind of thing. So that's my little thing around this whole dragonfly transformation model and the way that I understood it and the way that it was given to me. So, you know, this is the, the transformation space that I talk about. And in the last part of the book, I explain those different things practically, more practically. And people kind of get that when you explain it in that, that way because it's more practical than the internal world and the internal explanations. So, yeah, that's basically the book. But it takes people on the personal uh, development journey um, from wherever they are. And it does challenge them. You know, that's why the name of the book is Can You See Me Naked? Exactly. And that's beautiful. Can You See Me Naked is um, Adele Green's book. And uh, I see that you have it um, uh, you can buy it in hard cover, soft cover, and an ebook also. So um, that's wonderful. And I'm going to put the link to your um, website here in the room so that people can come and uh, check out. Uh, you have classes, you have recordings, there's all kinds of stuff on here. And so I'm really, really um, uh, excited about what, um, uh, what you have to offer. And I, I love your teaching. This, this is, you know, I, I, I'm, our time is up, but uh, I would love to have you on again. Um, and maybe we can get you on at a better time for you that it's not 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, <laughs> because I, I think that you have a lot to offer. Uh, to our, our, our audience here, our group here. And, um, uh, you know, what you're talking about is really what I think all of us here um, have, you know, looked at as being, uh, you know, the way we want to be, the way we want to live. And so if you're coaching and you're teaching is to help people come to that place where they're uh, being able to live in the moment without uh, fear, um, and in a very open and uh, openly vulnerable kind of place, uh, you know, I, I hear you talking about uh, you know your empathic um, situation and and being feeling that connection and and I understand that I I have that same thing I feel very connected with everything and everyone um, to a point that it it used to be quite painful. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, because I because I would just my heart was just like constantly breaking, breaking, breaking. And um, uh, you know I've come to understand you know now that you know that's a it, that's not a bad thing. That there really is um, a way that you can use that to connect with others, and in that connection, um, that beautiful healing comes about. Uh, it is such a joyful thing, um, and so you know. I, I like I said. I think that you're great for our group and our audience, and I'm sure that there are going to be a lot of people who are going to listen to this recording and um, uh, want to hear you again. So Adele Green, thank you so much for being here with us tonight, um, and thank you for staying up so late or getting up so early. I'm not sure which. <laughs> But I'm sure your bed will welcome you <laughs> when we're done here. Thank you, Lynn.
All right. So uh, once again, Adele Green, and I put her website up, uh, and we will be hearing more from you. And I, you know, I might look and see if uh, there's some of your interviews that I could download and play in the room for people also. Um, that would be helpful as well. Um, but we're in touch through Facebook, and you're on Facebook as Adele Green. Um, so you know, hopefully people will look you up. And um, once again, thank you, Adele Green, and thank you, Del Fishman, for connecting us up.